Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth Prater, Skewed and Reviewed, and I'm joined, as always, by our Skewedcast crew of Justin, Michael, and Joseph. And we're going to cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, uh, specializing in the events of the last week and well as breaking news and upcoming news of the week that we think is definitely worth highlighting. You can catch us online at SKNR.net. If you're a fan of newspapers, go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed. And you can see our uh, game content that we do for 12 papers in 21 markets. We have our quarterly skewed and reviewed the magazine, and we're currently working on the June issue. And uh, finally, uh, aside from syndication and various topics, we have the uh, radio show on KISW-FM, BJ Shea's Geek Nation, and the segments air every Friday, and uh, we do have those on the page, or you can go to KSW.com, radio.com, and follow them. And we had some really interesting stuff on various conventions, such as CinemaCon returning, E3, and more. And those are things that we're going to be discussing today. So without uh, any further ado, let's talk the big news of the week, E3, as we're recording this. We are a day away from the early press access before the live streams and the show start. Uh, I've already got a few interviews set up. Some of the staff has already got stuff set up. And rumors have already started to fly as they do this time of year. And uh, the big rumors flying around is that there are two Marvel games in the works. One of them is a Guardians of the Galaxy game, and another one is being described as an XCOM-style game. And then there's also news that we will be getting a Borderlands spinoff centered around Tiny Tina. So let's move up and down the row. Let's start with Justin. What do you make of this? Uh, interesting. I mean, uh, again, I just want to reiterate, I mean, these are rumors, so we don't exactly know if these are going to be true or end up being true or not. But um, if true, you know, definitely interesting ideas. I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy uh, totally makes sense in a video game format. Um I would be curious to, as to what kind of game it would be. Uh, I would imagine probably, you know, open world kind of RPG-esque kind of, kind of thing that seems to be still very popular. Um, but I'm curious to see how that turns out. Uh, the XCOM game, I think that honestly, that interests me a little bit more than any of the other announcements. Or not, not announcements, but rumors. Um, just because... Um, I think it's it's a very interesting idea. I mean, XCOM is is great. Um, you know, it has a very very dedicated following. Um, and I, I would be really curious to see how they kind of make that work. Um, in a Marvel setting, uh, one of the things that makes XCOM such a compelling game is, you know, you have this like real sense of danger. Because uh, you can lose your characters. Um, there's permadeath on your characters, at least in most uh, game modes, I think. So um, when you go into a mission, there's this real sense of danger for your team because uh, they might not make it out. Uh, I would be curious to see how they kind of do that um, or if they're going to have that at all. So... Um, that's 
those are all kind of interesting ideas. I think Borderlands, obviously, it's a great franchise. I'd like to see what they do with it going forward. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I never actually, I haven't gotten around to playing Borderlands 3 yet, but I've heard good things about it. Um, I wonder if this Tiny Teen game is more along the lines of um, that pre-sequel that came out a few years ago is kind of like a side game, or is this really kind of like a full-fledged uh, sequel on a different engine? So uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see on all of those, but uh, they all like they all seem like good ideas to me. Michael, your take, please. Uh, yeah. So the interesting thing about the um, the rumor for the Avengers XCOM game is it looks like it's there. The other rumors it's being developed by Firaxis, who actually did XCOM. Um, so yeah, that tends to put a little bit of um, intrigue into that because I agree the XCOM franchise in general has always been a really good franchise for access as a developer has generally been a really good developer uh, i i would be curious how they're going to do that because again as justin kind of pointed out the permadeath of the characters is one of the things that you know is key to those universes is because you don't want to you, you kind of have to be strategic because you don't want to just throw your guys to the fodder and, and then you have to build up new guys so yeah i'll be really curious how they do that with um if they're going to be using um boss type characters as as the actual superheroes with maybe some general i don't know shield agents or something like that as kind of the the general people or if you maybe you're building up your own superhero type of folks you know maybe they all start as basic superheroes that you build up and you could potentially lose those without any or without as many as the key marvel superheroes maybe it's a build your own superhero type of game so yeah i'm really curious about that i, I always like those types of uh strategy games so i think that would be definitely more interesting to me uh the guardian of the galaxy one the only thing i worry about when we ever we talk about marvel um games uh you know we'll, we'll all kind of remember when e3 showed off the first marvel game um a couple years ago and how much backlash it got because oh the characters didn't look like the characters from the movie uh, the 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 uh, audio and the the you know the people who portraying the characters wasn't very good. Now to be clear, they did fix a lot of those issues. It was an early pre-build, so I think there was a lot of expectation there that you know it would turn out the way we saw it, not necessarily how it did. So I think there's obviously some uh, learning experience from that, but we'll have to wait and see. As far as Borderlands, yeah, I agree with Justin. I'm I'm kind of curious if this is going to be a a pre-sequel type of thing. Um, I have finished Borderlands 3 and all the DLC with it, um, along with I'd, I'd finished the original Borderlands as well, and I'd played through most of the pre-sequels, so I'm always excited for more Borderlands content. Uh, I'm just curious, uh, with Borderlands 3, you know, a couple years out now, uh, and, and how much development had gone into this, I, I would assume, again, it's a spinoff, so it won't likely be as, as big or as content-rich as the main Borderlands games, but I'm always, you know, I thought the pre-sequel was pretty good, considering it wasn't a true Borderlands sequel. Uh, and I'll be interested to see if they kind of do the same thing. So, yeah, I think this is some pretty interesting news, something to kind of get excited about, and we'll just kind of see where, where we end up. And, uh, Joseph, your take, please. Well, my hopes in terms of the, the Guardians of the Galaxy game that they were talking about is that they're not going to go the route of the Ultimate Alliance games that have come out because it's been done with that and i think it's a good format but it's just it's not what people are looking for these days it'll be interesting to see what an open world experience will look like with it um just considering the space aspect of it it 
it could be an, a huge undertaking if they want to make it right. Um, in terms of the, the Borderlands, I think I, I completely agree. Uh, if you look at the pre-sequel, you take a step into uh, a character that was previously an NPC, and I think they're going to do the same thing with Tiny Tina, where she'll be a playable character uh, in in the game itself, along with some other of the NPCs that we've seen before. Otherwise, like I don't really have anything else to add that people haven't really said already. <laughs> oh, good. I wanted to add one thing. Just this Go just ahead. occurred to me uh, about the uh, the Avengers XCOM type game. Um, it kind of just occurred to me that one thing they could do if they wanted to kind of have that permadeath component is sort of have all of your kind of generated characters be like shield agents, and like you can lose those, but your kind of like headline Marvel characters are just you know people or characters you can call in and they they would not permadeath. Um, that way you can kind of have best of both worlds kind of thing. True. Yeah, that's a really, really good point there. Um, I think in the next few days, obviously, we're going to get a lot of rumors because especially as um, things go on the floor, I've already had like one game build sent to me that I have video up. I was able to post something this morning about 1UP is doing an arcade cabinet of The Simpsons video game from uh, back in the early 90s that I have very fond memories of playing during my time in the Air Force. And uh, there are other things coming that are under embargo still. So I think when it opens up to the uh, press tomorrow, I think you're going to see more and more leaks. And as we know from covering E3, for years, it is not uncommon for leaks to come. This is why we've already heard leaks about various other games and rumors and stuff like that, and that's part of the fun. Now, uh, again, uh, we'll see what comes out of these meetings and stuff. Some of these meetings may be situations where people will meet with companies ahead of their uh, live stream and their showcases and maybe stuff will be said there that gets out that isn't supposed to get out but you know who knows we we know that we have things starting next sunday um with the e3 pre-show so obviously this is a gonna create some interesting debates for us with everything starting at 10 a.m we've had a discussion as to do we go ahead and talk uh beforehand there's the other part of us saying maybe we should wait until the evening afterwards uh but we have ubisoft forward and gearbox entertainment uh scheduled for next week we also have warner brothers um scheduled to talk and they've already come out and said that they are going to be um doing back for blood so that's uh you know something that is really exciting and uh, so you know there's a lot of stuff coming and that is what just makes the whole thing really, really exciting. I mean, they're coming out of the gates roaring on Sunday because they, as they've said, Microsoft, Square Enix, and Warner Brothers are all set to go. You're gonna have uh, Xbox and Bethesda doing a showcase. Um, and then of course, you're gonna have Square Enix Presents and then, you know, Razer is doing one, Capcom is doing one. It, Nintendo is gonna close out things on Tuesday. Uh, the 15th so like I said lots of stuff to keep an ear out for and of course let's not forget the big thing is that um, the 
Summer Game Fest is going to start off on June 10th, and they are going to have all sorts of things. Now, we don't know which companies are going to be taking part in the out of the gate because there's 2K, there's Activision, Amazon Games, several who are at both, but there's also Blizzard and PlayStation, um, so on and so forth. There is some speculation that uh, I would think that we're due for the next Call of Duty game to drop, but I think unlike last year, there's certainly a lot of game news. There's a lot of excitement. We didn't really have this last year. If you remember, we went in expecting these shows and we were all excited and it turned out to be mostly indie games and from very small studio and developers. And that does not appear to be the case right now. It seems to be a more traditional um, reveal of major studio games, as well as indies. There is indie showcases. But it seems like we have a lot of major studio games, and that'll be something to really look forward to. So we've done a lot of talk about Marvel games and so on and so forth. So I think, obviously, this is a good place to transition to the fact that Disney's California Adventure recently opened, uh, as in Friday, it opened to the public after their um, grand opening ceremonies, and we have some video on site of the Avengers Campus, Disney's California Adventure. Needless to say, enthusiasm has been very high. There have been people lining up as early as 4.30 a.m. to get into the park. Uh, there has been huge rushes on the food and uh, Spider-Man web slingers ride to the point where the digital queue passes have sold out very quickly. Uh, so, down the line let's start backwards forwards joseph what do you make of all this i think it's so it's interesting because we were talking a little bit beforehand about how it seemed like disney was a little bit un, underprepared for this because what did what did you say they they ran out of the food by 10 15 that and, was a rumor yes uh, on right, opening day right so i don't know if it was necessarily they like ran out of food but like you mentioned also offline the uh the passes maybe they ran out of that is what i assume it was is the virtual passes for the food sold out which strikes me as so odd the fact that they now have virtual passes for food at these places it's been years since i've been there so it's they just, just don't want a crazy notion lined up at a cart though yeah that's true but like i don't know i just it, it seems a little out of character for them to be underprepared for something like this even after a pandemic so it, it's some of the rumors that just seem a little bit odd but like can you really did you really not expect for like the spider-man stuff to sell out really quick and 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 everything like that i think people are finally wanting they want something new in the world and this is what disney's giving them and their, their attractions have always been good i mean we had problems we had similar problems with star wars if i remember so no. i just par for the course maybe <laughs> i i think it's a case is that there are and there are some very fanatical uh park goers uh when i was following things on certain uh theme park things some of them were saying it's ridiculous what kind of you know you're overly obsessive if you're lining up at 4 30 in the morning to try to go into something like this where the line is reportedly over a mile long uh, and then others are like no 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 
And in some ways, I, I blame this on the rise of social media because it's all about I got to be there first. I've got to be online because if I wait a month or two for things to calm down, my social media presence isn't going to be as important. So it's the look at me, look at me. I'm here opening weekend and I, I'm here and you're not. And so follow my page because I get into things. And, yeah. you know, you, you can't blame the park because I look at it as that they provided a service. There was a exceptional response to it, but under the current guidelines, they are, there are limitations for what they can do, how many people they can accommodate, so on and so forth. And as I always tell people, you have to assume anytime there is a show or new event or something, there are going to be glitches as these things have to be worked out. I have been told by certain people that a another theme park is having some issues with fans because they're saying that the staff is very rude and inconsiderate and not up to the standards they expect. And they attribute this to the fact that you had so many people who were laid off for a while. We've heard stories nationally about people are having a hard time um, attracting workers. There are shortages all over the country in various industries. And so you're getting some new employees who haven't been as thoroughly trained, don't have the love and appeal of the job that they had. And as such, they're overwhelmed by all of these people flooding back in and the attitudes aren't where they should be. Not saying that's right, but this is the adjustment that all of a sudden everything is back, back, back. I want it, I want it now. And it's a difficult situation. Uh, Michael, take uh, expand on this for us, if you would, please. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this is too surprising from a uh, from a pandemic perspective. I mean, a lot of people are trying to get into any event that they can, um, and this probably could have been launched as the, the California Adventure Cruella experience, and they would have had the exact same response, right? Yeah. Um, yes, I understand the Avengers are popular, but I, I think it's less about the Avengers, less about California adventure um, specific events and more about people just wanting to get back into the parks and, and getting the opportunity to do so. Um, yes, obviously the Avenger thing would have been super popular, pandemic or not, but I think a lot a lot like with the, the Star Wars release, you know, a couple of years ago now, uh, I think that it would have been busy but not crazy. But I think because people are anxious to do something, get back into the Disney park, um, experience something new and exciting I think it's just it's just par for the course with how these things go uh, you know again there might be some I don't know hesitation or concern that yeah maybe things are going to get bad again there's going to be lockdowns so what people want to do is take advantage of these things when they can which results in a lot of people you know saying I'm not going to wait you know two months or a year to go I'm going to try to go now and, and get in while I can uh, you know expecting it to not be as bad as it has been uh, you know, for me, even with the Star Wars one, I, I was always under the impression you know, I'll wait a year or two for things to kind of settle down before I worry about you know attending these kind of things. Let the let the you know crowd kind of settle down uh, and then kind of go from there. But I think I think what we're going to see with Disney, with a lot of um, of these places starting to open up, particularly when you go to full capacity, because we're not there yet. Uh, but I think when we start to go to full capacity, 
we're going to still see lots of huge crowds in the beginning, um, assuming, of course, people feel comfortable to go out and do those kind of things, um, just because there's been, you know, there hasn't been that experience for a year and a half. So people are trying to get in their vacations. It's summertime now. A lot of kids are out of school. So the opening of this thing probably couldn't have been at a better time for Disney, but a worse time for everybody else. Um, you know, if they'd open this in October or if they'd open this in April, um, yes, the crowds would have been bad, but there wouldn't have been the out of school um, push that there is now. So I think the timing with everything pandemic wise, opening time wise, um, just the fact people need to get out. I think that's all a, you know, a recipe for these kind of things to happen. It just is what it is. And I think the other problem too is that you have to factor in that you have a society, it's like I mentioned with the social media, you have a society of instant gratification now. And you unfortunately have a lot of people that feel entitled and they've got their smartphone in their hand and they feel that they're going to go online and gripe about every single thing in the world because that's their thing to do. And my attitude is very similar to what my wife's attitude on this is. If you are choosing to go out to these things, you have to expect they're going to be crowded. If you are choosing to go out to these things opening weekend, you have to assume that there are going to be glitches and hiccups along the way. And if you are choosing to go out in the middle of summer to these things, you have to understand it is going to get hot, people are going to get impatient, tempers are going to flare, and you know, what do you expect? This is not, oh, I can just walk up and be guaranteed. I mean, even under the best of times, when you walk into the parks, you are not guaranteed short lines and easy access for anything. Uh, you know, that that's the whole point. You do your due diligence, you do your research, you find times of the year, times of the week when things are not so busy. They have the apps that let you know. It's no secret that demand was going to be through the roof for these things. And come June 15th, both Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm are going to be welcoming out-of-state guests again. The capacity for the parks is going to go up. And guess what? That means demand is going to go up as well. So that means there's going to be an even bigger crunch on these things. Now, my personal take is, while I'd absolutely love to go out and see that, like Michael said, I don't have a problem sitting here saying, hmm, maybe if I wait till October and our Disney cruises do indeed resume, maybe it would be okay to come on in a day or two before our cruise, come down midweek, see if things are a little better then. If I can't get into Avengers Campus, well, at least that means that though the bulk of the people are heading to California Adventure, that might make Disneyland a bit easier. And then maybe I can go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and enjoy things there. Um, and then I'll worry about Avengers Campus down the line. You have to be flexible. I mean, as the Halloween events come, as the Christmas events come at the end of the year, people are going to have interest. But it's all a matter of just picking your battles. So, uh, Justin, what do, you, what do you have for us on this? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, you know, everything that's been said already, I think totally nails it. Um, you know, I, part of this is just, uh, you, once you hit capacity, you hit capacity and there's, and there's no way to expand that. So, you know, you have a lot more demand than, than what you have, uh, available to supply with. So, uh, eventually you're just going to run into, run into these problems. You know, the, the core of it is, 
you know, maybe you, you can make an argument that maybe they, they handed out more passes than, uh, than they should have, um, which causes, you know, the long lines and things like that. Uh, but, you know, clearly the pandemic is, is winding down. People are eager to, to get into these parks. So there's a lot of demand to get into them. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different tactics they can employ to try to kind of control the, the flow of people, uh, and try to prevent, you know, long lines and, and running out of, running out of things. But, um, you know, there's, there's only so much they can do. They, they only have so much food on hand. They only have so much, um, you know, uh, places to, to, to give the food out. So they're just gonna, they're going to run out eventually. And once they hit capacity, then, you know, you're, you're going to have these kinds of problems. So, I think it's it's fairly normal. Hopefully, as people kind of get into the parks, it, it'll kind of be like a heavy wave for a little while, and then it'll you know hopefully it will go back to more normal. Um, you know, the next several months, um, if not a year or so, um, once people kind of you know get back into the parks and you know we can get to a more normal level of uh, of um, ticketing. And the thing to remember is this is not uncommon for when they open any new attraction. People forget that when Paradise Pier became Pixar Pier in the non-pandemic world, there were lines all the way across the bridge, all the way down into uh, various parts of Disney's California Adventure. There were people online complaining about how long the lines were and how long. It's supply and demand. It is just basic economics. There, Like you said, you know it's going to be crowded. You know a lot of people are going to be wanting to go. But if everybody chooses to go to a certain area at the same time, they just cannot accommodate that many people. And that's why they have these virtual queues. And unfortunately, some people, when you have, you know, the virtual queues are open to everybody that is within range of that park. And unfortunately, when everybody goes online at seven o'clock, sometimes, let's be honest, you have families with multiple people and they're all going online at the same time. It's the law of averages. And I I get that if, you know, someone like us, if we were to drive five, six hours and get there at 4.30 in the morning and be shut out and not be able to get anything, you know, 15, 20 seconds after these things went Sure, you'd be upset, but again, it comes back to the other fact. You know this is a possibility. You know this is how things are happening. You are not guaranteed access to any everything whenever you go to a theme park, and that's part of it. You you know, you just have to accept that. It's like when you go to a video game show, you are not guaranteed, even as a member, fully credentialed member of the media. You are not guaranteed access to every single game. There are certain games you are not going to be able to just walk up and play. There are some that if you uh, want to, you have to wait in line a couple of hours to play. And most of us can't do that because we have too many other appointments and stuff. So you try to get in beforehand, late in the day, whatever. But again, going in, you do. And that's how you have to do it. You have to, as Joseph will tell you from covering packs, you have to have a plan. I'm going to try them early in the day. I'm going to try them late at night. If this doesn't work, I'll try it again tomorrow. And and then you have a backup. And then maybe if you get everything cleared, you can say, you know what? 
I've cleared everything off my schedule for a few hours. This is important enough for me. I'm going to go stand in line and do whatever it takes. But again, freedom of choice. If you don't want to, there are other options that you can go and spend your time on. I think it also shows, as you all very clearly hit, these are high demand items, even under the best of times. When they took this down from people for about a year and a half, interest and demand only skyrocketed. And then you add new content. What did they, you know, are people shocked that there's an even bigger demand to add? Oh, new content and reduced admission capacity. And people are shocked that this is happening. I mean, we've heard reports that Knott's has already sold out their Not Scary Farm annual passes. And, you know, and again, I'm like, this is a phenomenally popular event. I've covered it a few times. Michael, you've covered it a few times. We've covered it in person for the better part of 10, 11 years now. It's no shock. It is, for my money, it is my favorite of the Halloween events uh, that happen. I would consider it a must-cover event and a must-attend event. So, again, when we didn't have one last year, is it really a shock that there's that kind of demand to go back and experience this thing? No. You know, and then add to the fact that Knott's has got their 100th anniversary celebration going on right now. They've got all these musical acts and special events and, you know, again, and, you know, come on, October, late September, October, and Southern California has got some fantastic weather. It's a great time to go out there. So, uh, Moving on, we have some interesting news from the world of movies and television. And uh, we've had some things such as A Quiet Place 3 that is based on an idea from John Krasinski, but it will be written and directed by someone else, has been confirmed to be coming in 2023. It is not a direct sequel, but it is said to take place in the same universe and involve um, essentially new characters in the same elements that the first two films took place in. We've also had news that with its $200 million budget and being on uh, the Disney Plus paywall as well as in theaters, Cruella 2 already has a sequel in place with the same creative talent returning. Um, good news there fx has released a whole line of uh when their shows from archer to american horror story and others will be resuming but then we also got news that john wick four and five ironically are filming back to back but then despite all their efforts uh mission impossible seven apparently has been shut down for a COVID outbreak so while we see this news especially quiet place three especially Cruella 2, uh, as good news that the box office is resuming. The latest Conjuring film has apparently going to open at number one in the country, even though it is not at the um, level that you would expect a, a traditional summer blockbuster to be, and the fact that it's on HBO Max. Uh, many people are looking at Fast 9 as being the tentpole to show what the potential opening box office uh, can be. We've got the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard coming up. But let's look at the industry. So uh, we have San Diego Comic-Con Online coming up in July, and we have CinemaCon, which is going to be in person. They've just opened up Press Reg. 
uh, for it. So Michael and I and some of the staff put in for it. Uh, the studios have all committed to coming. And uh, we're getting a lot of implications that there's going to be a lot of stuff shown. And that's a good thing. And I, I kind of go back to Comic-Con in that last year, when they held the event, there wasn't a lot of stuff that had been filmed, mainly the animated shows. A lot of the live action shows were still on hiatus due to COVID. That's not going to be the case this time out. I think we're going to get a lot of previews, a lot of clips, a lot more news and a lot more footage. I expect the same out of CinemaCon. So, uh, Justin, starting with you, what do you think? No, this is it's good. Um, I think obviously this shows that studios are fairly confident with what they have uh, currently in the pipeline. Um, you know, it, you can't just you can't get around the fact that uh, COVID really damaged the the box office pretty bad. Um, but you know, it does show that at least behind the scenes, the conversations um, are going on that they've kind of adjusted their expectations for a lot of these movies that have come out in the last year or so um so much that you know you can't you can't grade uh, a quiet place two by uh pre-covid uh mentality of, of what you would expect for a movie like that um you know it, it's still a little early for things to come back to complete normalcy for the box office it probably will will be like that for a while um so this kind of shows, though, that they're kind of using other metrics to kind of look at what they should be working on, what, what movies uh, need to get sequels. Um, and it, it is kind of showing that they're, they're kind of moving in a sort of different direction. It, it, you know, Quiet Place is a particularly interesting example in my mind just because um, it's a, you know, effectively it's a, it's a horror um, it's kind of thriller movie and it's 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 pretty big like it's it's got a it's very uh very successful at the box office you know horror movies traditionally at least in the past like i don't know 15 years or so tend to be good investments but they they tend to be good investments just because they they also tend to be fairly affordable um so the horror movies that have, have come out um for a long time uh, for the most part are a little bit on the cheaper side to make and they tend to to make that money back um, only because it was it was you know cheaper to make uh, quiet place is an exception to that it uh, it seems to be a lot bigger than um, than most horror movies uh, which which is interesting to me that uh, it gets a lot of attention and it's gonna get its third movie in its series um you know i i've been for a while i've been saying that you know the the film industry needs to kind of shift a little bit because focusing on one genre for far too long will will cause a little bit of a burnout um so instead of adaptions adapting everything um you know this kind of shows that there is a little bit of creativity there and that they're kind of shifting away and uh recognizing that there's some strength here in that particular franchise and not just that one but um you know john wick john wick's getting its fourth and fifth movie uh back to back which obviously shows that they're very confident in that property 
Um, so it's good. It's all good news. It's it means that uh, not only um, is the industry kind of moving into a post-pandemic mentality, but it also kind of shows that they kind of have an idea as to what kind of movies they want to continue to make. Yeah, very interesting. And um, Michael, what do you take? So a couple of things. Um, you know, we could talk about The Conjuring uh, movie that came out, uh, and it sounds like it's doing okay at the box office, but let's not forget that it also released for free on HBO Max at the same day. Um, and that the Conjuring movies are fantastic. I've enjoyed them. They are ones I would go to the theaters to see, but I think given an opportunity, because they have been kind of mixed in, in quality over the past several releases, again, I like them all. I like seeing them in the theater, but th that type of movie is hard to really judge against, you know, in a pandemic, you know, that's not a movie that a lot of people are going to say, oh, I'm going to go out and pay for it. Again, it's on HBO Max release same day for free uh, for those who have HBO Max. And the fact that, again, it's not a movie that, uh, you know, post pandemic. Yeah, a lot of people might might have gone to see it um, just to, you know, to have something that's enjoyable. You have to question about the timing of it, too. It's not really a summer blockbuster type of movie. Um, scary movies in general. Um, we won't talk. I'll talk about the Quiet Place in, in a second. But scary movies in general um, are better released closer to the fall time, towards you know Halloween time frame. It tends to be. It's kind of like when you release a Christmas movie in the summertime. They just tend to not do as well as if they're released more along the lines of the holiday season. Um, so again, I, th I think there's a number of reasons why Paranormal Activity is kind of a, a tough one to really judge as well as how well we'd expect it to do. You know, as far as The Quiet Place 2, um, I, I, not, to, not, to be, you know, not to give any spoilers, but it certainly was a lot more action-packed than the first one. I think the first one was more suspenseful. The second one, to me, was more of a monster movie and less of a, of a suspense movie, uh, for, you know, for good or bad, depending on how you feel about those things. Uh, but it certainly had a bigger draw, I think, than Paranormal Activity, uh, following in the same genre kind of thing. So I, I would see Quiet Place 2 as being more of a, a summer hit type movie. Paranormal Activity is more of a niche type movie. And again, the timing on that, probably not the best. I do think Fast and Furious is going to be uh, a good indication. There's a couple of things going for it. One is the franchise is well-loved. It's, it's another traditional summer blockbuster type of movie uh and the fact that you know as we get closer to vaccination rates getting nearer to 50 percent uh and hopefully higher i think we're starting to see more and more people starting to feel more comfortable going to the theaters um starting to do things that are that are indoors in general and i think the timing of the fast and furious release is going to benefit from that as well again what if it had released three months ago is it going to would it have done as well i don't think so I think it's going to do probably really well, and I think it will be a good indicator for theaters in general what to expect going forward. Again, I think we're not quite going to be 100% people feeling comfortable going out, but I think it will be a good indicator of how things are moving and where we're going to be, you know, towards the fall uh, or maybe maybe later, uh, you know, summer releases. Absolutely. And Joseph, finish this topic out, please. You know, first I want to say, like, I think it's really cool that we have access to so much information about this in this day and age. And, you know, we're just able to even have this conversation, <laughs> but, um, I think that no matter, I, I don't, I'm not sure 
we're going to see any decrease in what's going on. Um, I think with the Fast and the Furious, that's what I want to focus on here, is that people are, it's going to do well, and it's going to do well for a few reasons, and we've hit those those reasons already. Um, people want to get out and do things, but it's also a mindless action movie that just takes your mind off of everything that's been going on over the past year and a half. And I think it's also going to do well because while we live in two states that are fairly different from each other in the approach on how everything's working, I know people who work around the country now, with and most places you would never even think there was a pandemic when you're out. And when they start opening the movie theaters to more people, I think people are just, it's just like we talked about with Disneyland. They're going to swarm it. it. People are going to be there. We're probably going to start seeing issues um, about fights and running out of tickets and, and just all these scandalous stories. So I think, <clears throat> I think that's what we're going to see with Fast and Furious. And I think it's going to be, it's going to show us that people are just ready to be done with all of this. And I think that they're making Disney, I think the the call for Quiet Place 3, I think all these decisions that seem to be putting trust back in the box office, I think they're warranted because if there's one business that never fails and, and we're kind of seeing it still, this is the test of it, is it's the movie industry. Like the joke I always said growing up was that if I ever won the lottery, I'm just going to purchase a movie theater because those things survive everything. And maybe we'll see that. Yeah, it is definitely going to be interesting. And I think the argument has always been capacity is ramping up. Now, you are going to have a situation, I think, where theaters are starting to make masks optional. And I think you'll have some people that are going to say, I'm fine sitting in a crowded theater if everyone's wearing a mask. I'm not so sure I want to be around all these unmasked people, especially if they haven't been vaccinated. But see, again, the argument... Uh, has been, well, people are not wearing their masks when they eat anyway, and we all know people have been abusing that by holding a cup in their lap and and having their mask down the whole time and using that as the excuse. So whenever the usher comes up in the aisle, they take a sip, and that way, yeah, no one says anything. But um, the argument has has always been you got to have the product because when the theaters reopened, they tried Tenant and people were not ready to come back to that one. There was a debate as to whether or not Tenant was actually the film that was going to draw on the masses anyway, due to its kind of uh, non-linear storyline, shall we say. Uh, the other flip to it was they were showing a lot of older films and retro films, many of which you could get on streaming. So now we have things like A Quiet Place 2 and we have Cruella, and we have Hitman's Wife Bodyguard coming, and we have Fast 9, and then next month, of course, we have Black Widow and Jungle Cruise and all of this. So you're starting to see the quality event pictures, uh, at least on paper, on their schedule, coming back to the theaters, and that is going to be the interesting point. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen that uh, certain prices have gone up around the various theaters. Concessions are up. Um so on and so forth and you kind of expect that but i think like you have said with a quality product with uh good marketing and that's going to be the key good marketing because you got to tell people that have been used to sitting at home and streaming everything and with things now coming to streaming faster i mean look at quiet place too had a lot of people come out and see it 
but you also know that there are people who are informed. Not everybody is informed, but there are people who have been informed who are sitting there going, you know, this is going to be on Paramount Plus in 45 days. I think I can just set it out and wait. And that's going to be the trick that they have to combat. You got the. You, we just had reports that the new Boss Baby film is going to appear on Peacock the same time as it comes to theaters. Now, not the type of film I would rush out to the theater and see. And I sit there and I look at my son and I go, okay, I could see him and uh, the granddaughter being very happy to sit at home and watch it on Peacock versus rushing out to the theater and dealing with all of that. So those uh, are Let things. me interject there, though. Yeah. I have twin five-year-olds, and they got to experience their first time in a theater with their mom the other week. They went to watch Raya for their brother, their older brother's birthday. Mm-hmm. Now they're talking about nothing more than wanting to go to a theater to watch a movie. So, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Now, see, I think what the flip side of that would be is to stick Raya. Now, see, and it's funny because, you know, you have my, my sister up in Washington, one of them. And they're all fully vaccinated. And when they had the opportunity to go see a movie in the theater, they chose not to do it. And they waited and they saw Raya and they just watched it the other day on Disney+. Plus. I even offered her, I said, hey, we've got a screening coming up. It's press only. Have to wear your mask. Everything's guaranteed. And she's like, yeah, I don't want any part of going up to Seattle. So, you know, yeah. And here's the, here's the interesting thing, too, is my kids had already seen the movie. Like, dozens of times because we purchased it for them back in February. Um, it was a birthday thing for their older brother and they wanted to go see a film. That was what was showing. And they just, I think it was just the experience that, and that's that they the thing. Enjoyed. It's, it's, you know, it, it seems like anytime we take a step forward, we always say kind of like the various health agencies say that the next two weeks are going to be key. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk that are we moving too fast on certain things as a, as a country and a society, but yet the numbers in many areas are going down or they're holding. And, you know, but then I hear things like the Chicago Cubs and White Sox are going to move to 100% capacity at their stadiums. And there's a part of me going, man, you know, I, I don't know. Is this really the right time to put 47,000 people? right next to each other for three, four hours at a time. But then again, you also have to come around to the local health offices wouldn't be allowing it if they didn't think there was a degree of safety to it. I mean, obviously, there'll be some degree of risk, and I'm sure they will still encourage people to wear their masks. We know that's not going to happen. I mean, you watch any baseball game on TV or any of these basketball games, most of them are there unmasked, screaming and yelling their heads off, which is... You know, any uh, doctor will tell you when you're screaming and yelling like that, you're exhaling, which is potentially putting droplets out in the air. That's why they said uh, religious services were bad because of the singing and choirs and stuff like that initially. But again, you come back to the point where they're obviously okay with this happening, so we have to wait and see. Uh, The fact that we have these conventions coming up as soon as August. Uh, let's not forget there's Creation Entertainment doing the big Star Trek show in Vegas. They just announced that uh, Walter Koenig is going to be there, so you're going to have all the surviving members of the original Star Trek show um, there, as well as all the cast members from all the other series and all these special guests. So 
you know, Vegas has definitely seemed to be very uh, progressive on that. In fact, I got news the other day that they've announced that Alliance at Alliance Stadium, WWE SmackDown, uh, SummerSlam, excuse me, is coming and going to be taking place. I just got news seconds ago that Keith Urban has announced that he's going to be doing uh, a week, September 17th through 25th, in Caesar's Palace. So, you know, these are frontline acts that are going ahead and booking tickets for uh, and shows for as early as this summer. So, you know, they've got to be getting the news that they think it's pretty likely these things are going to happen. So, interesting uh, things to consider. Uh, so, we covered a ton of stuff as we always do each week. And with E3 coming up ahead, I'm sure we're going to have lots of stuff next week. And, uh, gentlemen, is there anything else that you want us to uh, discuss before we close out today? I've got nothing. All right. Nothing well, that, that is going to do it for us today. Until next week, everybody, take care. Um, enjoy the pre E3 coverage. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.